then grab your Bibles. We're going to jump into the Word. Huh. I just feel the Lord's at work right here today. I, I, I want you to just stay standing. I know you've been standing for a while, but I'll let you sit down in a minute. But I just want to read a part of God's Word as we are reverent enough to remain standing at the moment. Starting a brand new series called True Colors. Before we jump into the word, let me just give you the subtitle to today's message. The subtitle is, when the pressure is on, hang on. (laughs) How many of you can preach about pressure? When the pressure's on, hang on. I said, when the pressure is on, hang on. When the pressure is on. You got to help me preach it. When the pressure's on, hang on. We got to hang on, hang on, hang on. You got to grab hold of Jesus. Hold up a minute and put some Jesus up in it. Hang on, hang on. So take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Praise the Lord for the dude down front. Everybody else is still getting there. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Also, hold your finger there. Flip with me over to the Old Testament story in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. What I want to do is I want to take the, the text from James chapter 1 and apply it to the narrative of first kings chapter 17 and use it as a filter to explore the the trial the test the pressure if you will in elijah's life but before we read the text can i just go ahead and give you thought number one are you ready for thought number one are you ready for thought number one thought number one is is this the provision that you need from God is contingent upon our willingness to be obedient to what he needs from you. Did you grab that? Let it resonate. Write that down. If you're taking notes, you know you're going to heaven. So, The provision that you need from God is contingent upon whether or not you're willing to do what he needs you to do, what he needs from you. Another way to put it is the thing that you need from God will generally happen if you're willing to do the things that he needs you to do. Another way to put it is the provision of God always awaits your obedience. I I could preach this in a plethora of ways, but I'm kind of waiting on an amen so that we can figure out which way we're going here. But we don't like to talk about obedience. We want to talk about the blessings. But, but if you really grasp the thought, the premise of Scripture, our obedience is always met with the beauty of who He is. So sometimes we need to stop looking for the blessing if we're not willing to be obedient to the request. You see, there's a period in our lives in between the the need and the provision 
there's a space, there's a gap, there's a time period. We have a need and we're waiting on the provision. And generally that time period acquiesces with problems and trials and difficulties and tests and challenges. And, and the pressure of that period of time becomes so great that the pressure that is on us squeezes out of us what's on the inside. The weight. The waiting game. Look at your neighbor and say the weight. We don't like the weight because the weight brings the pressure. And what's on the inside is squeezed out of us to reveal to the world our true colors. In fact, let me read with you some of the narrative of First Kings chapter 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. Here is the story. Let me just read a little bit of it to you, not the whole passage at this moment in time, because I, I just want to establish our basis for conversation. But here's what the writer says. He says, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, who's the wicked king, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. He says, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years. The next few years. The next few years. The author of, of this book is telling us that, that Elijah and the people of Israel who are following God are about to enter into a waiting period. The next few years. The next few years. The next few years. The, 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 the space. The, the waiting period period. You see, what's about to happen in Elijah's life is, is, is something great, but he has to endure the weight, the test, before he can experience the gift. You see, there's a gift that will be exposed in his life in chapters 18, 19, and 20, but he cannot get to the gift without first enduring the weight in chapter 17. You see, how many of you know that there's a purpose for your pain? You see, Elijah... Where you are is not where you're going. How many of you are thankful for that? That the place that you find yourself is not the end. <laughs> it's only a platform for the beginning of something great. Verses 2 and following. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. Verse uh, four begins to tell him what you need to do. You will drink from the brook that I have ordered. And I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. I love that. I want you to head to Kareth and hide out in the ravine that I have provided for you. There will be a brook there. The ravens will come by and they will feed you. You see, you got to grab this. Even when if there seems like there is no way, God will always provide a way. Even when you're in the drought in your life, God will make streams appear in the desert. Even when you're in the drought in your marriage, God will grant to you peace that surpasses all understanding. Even when your career seems like a dead end, God will open up a new door and say, Behold and look what I I have done for I am good and I recognize your pain and I know your sorrow so what I'm saying to you today is hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on
6. Shoo. Verse 5. I feel my preach coming on. I'm getting out of I'm getting out of line here. Verse 5 it says, So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. So he did, so he did. So circle that. So he did. So he did. So he did. You see, God had given him a proclamation, a promise, a, a pr- prophetic word. He said, Here's what I want you to do. And when you do it, I'm going to provide when you get there. But there was a space in between the word and the provision between what God said and what God did and the gap is bridged through Elijah's obedience had Elijah said I'm not going to head there the drought would have done some difficult things in his life but, but in order to receive he had to do there was obedience he had to do you see the gap in your life during the wait between the provision or between the need and the provision is always bridged through your willingness to be obedient. So Elijah did. Look at verse 6. Because he did, God did. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He drank it from the brook. But then verse 7 exposes to us some difficulties. The plot clots. It says sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Sometime later, sometime later, the brook dried up. Hold on, God. I was obedient. I did what you told me to do. I went where you told me to go. I've been here. I've been waiting on the ravens. But now the brook is drying up. God, I don't understand it. My marriage is drying up. My finances are drying up. My career is drying up. Can't you imagine Elijah? He's saying, I've been obedient. I've gone where you told me to go. I've done what you told me to do. I've been hanging out right here where you told me to hang out. And now what you provided, what I've grown dependent upon, you're taking it away from me. Enough with the pressure. Pressure. How many of you can pe- preach the message on pressure? Hello? The rest of you are angels. Pressure, pressure. This is where I want to take you to, to, to our text in James chapter 1. Let me read to you out of James chapter 1. What I want to do is I want to read to you out of the message translation. Sometimes I use the message translation. I I feel like that the message captures this text in a very creative way. And so I want to use it to expose to you what God has given to me. Chapter 1. In fact, the subtitle of this passage of Scripture, according to the message, is Faith Under Pressure. But look what happens in this passage. Here's what James writes. He writes this letter to the Christians who are spread out all around the world at that moment in time and we know that there was great pressure upon them. So look what he says. He says, consider it a sheer gift. How many of you love gifts? Raise your hand. If you love gifts, come on. I love me some gifts. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, 
do, do what? Let me read that again. James writes, consider it a sheer gift. Everybody has a smile on their face. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, I need to hit the brakes. That was brakes, by the way. So, James, you're telling me that the test is a gift? I don't know about you, but, but, but I, I, I don't necessarily call the test a gift. In fact, when the brook dries up, when the challenges come, when the trials come, when the weight comes, when, when the pressure comes, when, when, when the trials come, when the struggle comes, when the raven's not feeding me any longer and the place that I find myself does not look like the place that God promised to me, I call it a lot of four-letter words, but it's not gift. preaching to you this morning because God's preached to me. Hello. It's okay to smile. I might call it doggone. <laughs> you know, that's not a poor word. But, you know. but I call it some things that are not necessarily a gift. Look at it. Look at it again. Let's just be transparent this morning. If we're going to preach a message on pressure, it says consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Have you ever read God's Word and when you're reading God's Word, you feel like it's reading you? <laughs> like you're reading God's Word and you feel like, man, I can relate to this passage of Scripture. It's speaking to me. Can I tell you why that is? Because God's Word is truth. It's not talking about a truth that will come one day. It is the truth. You see, you didn't come to church today so that I would preach to you the truth. You came to church today so that you would encounter a God who is truth. And he will change you at the very core of who you are. You see, his word is truth. It was truth 2,000 years ago. It's truth today. It will be truth 2,000 years from now. It is truth. It's truth. It's truth. And his word says that the test is a gift. How? How is the test a gift? Can I tell you how? Because God will use the test. He'll use the weight in your life. He'll use the weight in your life to infuse you with the power of his word. He'll use the waiting period in your life because you're not hearing me to show you how powerful his word is. He'll use the waiting period in your life as a test to teach you how your faith can grow under the pressures of life because the strength of the gift that he's already placed inside of you is more than enough for you to step over the problem that is around you because what is inside of you when it is squeezed out of you will change the surroundings that are all around you. There is a waiting period in everything in life. Before the seed can give birth, there's a gestation period. Before the fruit can come off the vine, there is a wait. Before Elijah could move into chapter 18 and, and become one of the greatest prophets in biblical history and defeat the false prophets of Baal, he had to endure the wait of chapter 17.
pressure, 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 pressure. The next verse, verse 3. Here's what James writes. He says, you know that under pressure, you know that under pressure, you know that under pressure, you see, we're all under pressure. You know that under pressure, we're all under pressure. We have occupational pressures. We have peer pressure. We have relational pressures because we think that we have friends, but yet those friends are not so friendly and they're saying things that are not so friendly. We have marital pressures because your spouse seems to be distant. We have emotional pressures. We have financial pressures. We have pressures with our kids. We have pressures with everything that is around. We're pressured all the time. Pressured. fact I talked to a lady this week and she said why am I where I am what she was saying to me is is that for me to continue to live in a godly way in my circumstances is absolutely overwhelming me this is prophetic for someone in here you see the pressure in your life is there to expose the gift that God has already placed within you you see see Elijah had to wait by the ravine by the brook that was drying up in order to experience what God had for him next the the test if you will the test Elijah I'm going to test you are you going to hang out and let the the ravens feed you are you going to hang out by this brook are you going to continue to hide if you will from this wicked king Ahab are you going to try to fix it yourself the test you see we all have tests you're tested on the job you're working for a boss that's a jerk you're tested you leave driving home at night and you're thinking about the test at work and some noodle-brained individual cuts you off in traffic. You're tested. You drive home from there and you're thinking about the test at work, the test on the road, and when you get home, your kids test your patience. Your spouse tests your love. Test, it's test, it's test, it's test, it's the pressure of the test. But but yet his word is truth, and it says that the test is a gift. How? How? How is the test a gift? Can I illustrate something for you? recently I went and and bought a pair of jeans how many of you know that God can speak to you when you're buying a pair of jeans all the ladies said amen now ladies don't you be leaving this afternoon saying hey listen God speaks to us when we buy some clothes so I'm on the way to the mall so that I can commune with God (laughs) some of that spiritual retail therapy pressure's on you better hang on to your wallet so I buy this pair of jeans I get it home it's got a tag that's hanging from it and the tag says inspected for a great wear in other words what the tag is telling me what the company is telling me is that there was an inspector who put that pair of jeans under great pressure a test so that they could determine if there were any design deficiencies grabbing this
without the pressure of the test, you can't discover where your deficiencies are. You got to grab this. You can't determine what the deficiencies are in your life without the pressure of a test. You see, the blue jeans are okay to wear because they've been put under the test. You see, I can trust that they will wear right because they've been inspected. They've been pressured through the test. You see, some of you are more concerned about where the pressure is coming from and you need to be more focused on what to do when the pressure comes because what I'm saying is a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Good Lord have mercy. Can I give you a new perspective on that thought? Are you ready for a new perspective on that? You see, the pressure that you find yourself under will ultimately reveal the strengths of the gifts that he's placed within you. Mm. Grab that. The pressure that you find yourself under will ultimately reveal the strengths of the gifts that God has placed inside of you. In fact, the Bible says to hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Hide God's word inside of you that you might not sin against God. But James writes something here. He says the pressure, look at it, not that verse. Verse, was it three or four? Put up verse three or four for me. Three or four. Maybe three and four. Anytime you can get there will be great. So don't try, no, 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 back up, verse 3, verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. No, 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 we're going to stay in James. We had a first service, y'all. Here we go, James chapter 1, verse 3. It says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Hold on a second. So the pressure that is on, on us exposes the true colors. I I looked in the Urban Dictionary and I discovered that true colors actually means the real you. So when the pressure of life comes on you, if the word of God is in you, it will expose the true colors of who Jesus is out of you. It's like the song. True colors, true colors. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. I'm gonna go home. So, 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 so the true colors. So the true colors. You, you have to understand something. That the enemy will put pressure upon you to discover what your true colors are. The enemy will put pressure upon you to determine what you even know about your God. You see, as a Christ follower, the enemy will put pressure on you to determine the knowledge that you have about God. I feel my preach coming on. In other words, the test is not there to teach you something. It's there to determine what you already know. So Elijah hang out by the brook at the Kareth Ravine and trust that I'll continue to meet your need. Can you imagine the first time that the raven was late? Oh, I better go find me some food. You see, but the pressure that was on him revealed the true colors, the 
gift that God had placed inside of him. So the gift, the test became a gift because it exposed the giftings that God had placed with, within him. You, you, you have to understand, you've you got to hide God's word in your heart. You see, the Bible does not say that there will not be a weapon formed against you. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Are, are you with me? The Bible does not say that there will be no weapon in your life. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You've got to understand his word works. If I place his word in my heart, his word works. It enables me to rise above the difficulties in my life. It comes out of me. The glory of God begins to spill out of me, exposing the world around me to the true colors of Jesus Christ because the word works. 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 Come on, somebody. The word works. You're not hearing me here. You see, the test that is in your life will expose the giftings that God has placed in your life. Even Jesus was tested. He was tested by his friends. He was tested by the peers in his life. He was tested by the religious leaders. He was tested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was tested on the cross. He was tested in the tomb. He was tested on the third day. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 that we serve a high priest that's been tested in every way just as we are yet is without sin. The test will expose the gift. (laughs) Even Moses said, I can't do what you've called me to do, God. But God said, I can. I can. David, when he's on the run from Saul and he's hanging out in the cave and he's tired of eating off the land and he says to God, God, what's going on? And God says, David... I'm preparing you for a gift that is in your future. Just hang on. When the pressure's on, hang on. You see, God didn't spare. He didn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He delivered Daniel in the lion's den so that he could show the Persian king, it doesn't matter the pressure that you place upon my people because I'll turn that pressure into something called a diamond. I'll show the world how awesome I am through the problems of my people if they'll rise up and hang on when the pressure's on. Hang on when the pressure is on. I think in my life of the times that my faith has been challenged when the pressure has been on. And if I reflect upon those times, the times that I utilized the strength of his word, I realized that the victory was before me because I lived the word that was in me. You see, you've got to understand, we, we reference this in the worship, but you have to understand that the weight in your life, you're not waiting on God to get something to you. Once you discover that the weight in your life is so that God can get something through you, then he'll get it to you. You see, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get his peace through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get his joy through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get his, 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 his love through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get his grace through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get his finances through you, he'll get it to you. Therefore, that test that you're going through, you need to hang on to it because it's a gift. That problem in your life, it's a gift. That difficulty in your surroundings, it's a gift. Why? Because God wants to expose the true colors of who he is through the calamity that's in your life. It's a gift to expose his true colors, true colors true colors somebody look at your neighbor and say I see your true colors (laughs) you see I have to I have to think about the times that that sometimes we do just the opposite of that though sometimes we allow our 
circumstances to determine our condition as opposed to allowing our faith to establish our position. Did you grab that? You need to put that all over social media. Because sometimes we allow the circumstances in our lives to control our condition rather than allowing the faith to establish our position. You see, when you begin to work God's word into your life, God's word will do the things that you cannot do. But don't expect God's word to work in your life if you have not worked God's word into your life. Don't wait for the battle to start before you start cramming God's word in your mouth. You see, you win the battle because you have, pre, you have pre-planned. You have practiced. You have rehearsed. You have taken God's word and placed it in your heart. You see, if God's word's not working in your life, you haven't worked God's word into your life. Are you with me? It's a different message that I certainly don't have time to preach today, but, but I think you need to hear this, this one thought. You see... The pressure that is upon you will reveal the potential of God that's power that's in you. But the key word is potential. You see, the pressure that is on you will, let me back up and say it this way, the power of God that is at work in you will only reveal itself through the pressure that is upon you. You see, the power of God that is at work in you is only potential until the pressure exposes it in your life. Are you with me? That power, that gift, every good gift that comes from above, his word says, that's lying dormant, that's waiting for a time to be pressed so that it can be birthed. It's only potential in your life until the pressure that is on you exposes it. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is the potential of, back up, the power of God in your life is only potential unless you participate in it. Remember, Elijah did. Elijah did. Elijah did. Can I show you something else real quick? Go with me over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. We may just look at verse 3. Romans 5, verse 3. This is the amplified um, translation. Paul is writing um, about a similar conflict, if you will. He writes this, he says, moreover, let us also be full of joy. Okay, if we looked at the original um, version of James's words, it says, instead of consider it a a sheer gift, it, it talks about joy there instead. But look what he says, he says, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. We don't like to applaud the sufferings, do we? Might I have another? (laughs) Watch this. Knowing, watch this, knowing that pressure, everybody say pressure. Knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Oh, you got to grab this. 
if you're praying for patience, you might want to be careful. Because God uses pressure to reveal the beauty of his patience. It says it. Uh, understand this. There are some things that cannot be birthed without pressure. Go back to James. Let me show you something. James chapter 1. Pick it up wherever we left off. I'm hoping you know where that was at. James chapter 1. So watch this. It says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. So when the pressure's on, don't try to get out of it prematurely. There's a work that has to be done. Let it do its work. So that you'll become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Did you see that? That design deficiency. It says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. What he's saying is, hang on. When the weight is on, hang on. You know how we try to fix it ourselves? I'm, a, I'm God. You hadn't shown up. The raven hadn't. It's 5 o'clock. He's normally here by 5. He ain't here at 5, 530. I'm going myself to find me something to eat. We tend to get all up in it, all up in God's business, and then we start to blame God for what he's not doing when we're trying to do something that he never commissioned us to do in the first place. He didn't tell Elijah to go hang out at a ravine on the west side. He said, I want you to head to the east side. See, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Hang on. <laughs> so hang on. Understand, hang on. Touch your neighbor and say, hang on. When the pressure's on, hang on. When the pressure's on in your marriage, hang on. When the pressure's on in your finances, hang on. When the pressure's on with your kids, hang on. When the pressure's on with all of the difficulties in your life, hang on. When the pressure's on, hang on. When the pressure's on, hang on. When the pressure's on, hang on. When you can't see the light in front of you, hang on. When you can't see anything but problems, hang on. When the brook is drying up, hang on. When your finances are running out, hang on, hang on, hang on. On, hang on when the pressure's on hang on mm. I love the fact though that he said don't try to get out of anything prematurely he's making an inference to the duration of the wait we don't like the wait we don't like it we don't like the test because we don't like the wait you see, what he's establishing for us is this. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Why? Because he says, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. He's talking about building your faith. You have to understand that he's saying protect your faith because in the end, your faith will protect you. Don't get out of anything prematurely. You see, a lot of us have the faith to start something, but not the faith. To finish it pressure's on oh I got the faith I got I got this I got this and, and when the pressure gets a little bit more you're like Whoa. don't get out of it prematurely you see we have starting faith but not finishing faith I think about Peter who's in the boat with the disciples Jesus is walking on the water Peter sees Jesus along with the other disciples. And he said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. Peter has the faith to jump out of the boat. Nobody else did, but Peter did. Peter had the faith. He jumps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the waves. He begins to walk on the water. But then the Bible says that the pressure of the wind and the waves brought fear into his heart. And he began to sink. 
And Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, you have little faith. He didn't say no faith. He said little faith. He didn't say no faith because Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat to start the journey. He just didn't have enough faith to complete the journey. Do you see, he's trying to show you that sometimes you can have a starting faith, but, but you've got to also have a finishing faith. You've got to be able to step out and keep going. Don't give up prematurely, but when the pressure's on, hang on. When the pressure is on, hang on. When the pressure is, when the wind and the waves are coming, hang on. When the problems from your finances are slapping you in the face, hang on. When your kids are driving you bonkers, hang on. Hang on. You see, it's one thing to come to church and feel like you're full of faith. And then you leave and you get slapped in the parking lot with a flat tire and you already know that your finances are a little thin for the month. (laughs) You're going to hang on and realize that the test is a gift to expose the beauty of who he is. Mm. You see, when he says, writes this in the original Translation, he, he writes this and he, he uses the word patience. You know, hang on, instead of hang on, it's patience. And, and the word for patience in the Greek means to hang on, be patient. But what's cool about the word is it's action driven. You see, when we think about waiting, in our minds, we think about sitting in the doctor's office and waiting twiddling our thumbs having a test at the doctor's office and then after the test he says I'll get with you in two weeks and tell you what the test says we don't like to wait I've been in plenty of doctor's offices lately I, I know we don't like to wait But when he uses this term to wait, to be patient, he's not saying sit there and twiddle your thumbs and wait upon the doctor to call you back. No, no, no. It's a more aggressive term. It means to hang on. It means to persevere. It means to grind it out. It means to get up and do something. It means to continue your forward motion. It means just to continue to develop perseverance and endurance and patience and to hang on and to grind it out. And when it's all breaking out against you, all hell is exposing itself around you. Continue to hang on, hang on, hang on. Because the pressure is going to reveal your greatest asset. And that's the power of God that's at work within you. I got to get back to Elijah. Let's go back to 1 Kings. Let me show you something. Back to 1 Kings chapter 17. Because the pressure is on Elijah. But the pressure and the weight is about to reveal Elijah's greatest asset. Verse 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. Let me help you understand something. The Kareth ravine in the Hebrew, Kareth means a place of cutting away. Oh, hold on a second. So, God does not just speak things just to be speaking them. There's a purpose. He's saying, Elijah, I've got something great for you down the road. But before you can go there, I want you to go to the Kareth Ravine, the place of cutting away. 
Because before you can grow, sometimes you've got to be pruned. How many of you know that, that, that sometimes in order to grow, we've got to have some things cut away from us? We, we don't like the cutting away process. Oh, we don't like the cutting away process, but in order to grow, you, you've got to be pruned. There are certain trees and plants that will only grow if they are pruned. So I'm asking you today, what is it that God needs to cut away from you? Maybe you're hanging out in the Kareth Ravine right now, and you're wondering when he's going to show up, but he's wondering when you're going to allow him to cut away the things that you've placed before him. Mm. Let's continue to read. It says... You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens. <coughs> Sounded like a chicken a little bit, didn't it? The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook told this to the first service I, I really when I read that verse I, I have to know if it was like regurgitated stuff my mind's a little sick in it <clears throat> the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook he's hiding out from the wicked king drought is in the land the same drought that he proclaimed and prophesied is affecting him he's in the wait you see can I tell you again the Bible does not say that there will be no weapons formed against you it does not say that there will be people in your life who are gonna always like you you're always gonna have plenty of money you're always gonna be on top you're always gonna have the mountaintop experience it does not say any of those things but what it does say is no weapon formed against you shall prosper why because when you're on the edge of the cliff his angels will come about you they will undergird you they will lift you up lest your feet dash its foot against the stone so you gotta stand firm and hang on when the pressure's on because God knows exactly where you're at I, I, I need to move for the sake of time whoever's playing you need to be back you should have been back alright praise the Lord sometime later sometime later sometime later they came back <laughs> doesn't say that sometime later they came back the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I, I love that. Sometime later, sometime later. He's telling you that the problem is still there. That the drought is still there. Sometime later, the drought is still all around them. But watch what happens. He says sometime later, just put it up for me. It says sometime later, then verse 8. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there because I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, I want you to understand something. God will awaken you to his goodness in the lowness of your circumstance. The brook's dried up the next chapter in Elijah's life what am I going to do 
I want you to go to this place where there is this widow lady who's going to feed you. It's a higher place. You're not going to have to worry about regurgitated berries. But rather, someone's going to be cooking you a hot meal. It's a higher place. Everybody wants to go to the higher place. Say amen. amen. But can I tell you something? Elijah couldn't go to the higher place until he had been obedient at Kareth. You see, you need to stop asking God for the next phase of your life if you're not going to step up in the phase that he has you in right now. Good Lord. Stop asking God for the next chapter if you're not going to step up in the chapter that he's planted you in right now. Because he may have you in Kareth and the ravine may be running dry. The brook may be running dry. But God has a plan. God has a plan. And are you going to stay in his plan? We'll pick it up. Verse 9, it says, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow to feed you. Verse 10, So he went. Again, so he went. So he went. So he did. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? Jesus makes reference to this in the Gospels. He goes on to write, as she was going to get it, he called and said, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. She goes on to say, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar. Remember, it's a drought. And a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Drought. Drought. It's overwhelming. The wait has been too long. The pressure has been so great. The woman saying the next step for us is death. Elijah said to her, don't you be afraid. You go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour and it will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So when you're looking at the drought, whether it's flour that's running out, whether it's oil that is leaving, whether it's the brook that's drying up, whether it's your bank account, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, whatever it is, understand when God gets in it, he can multiply it so that it never, ever runs out. Are you with me here today? So watch this. She went away did as Elijah had told her so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family oh my goodness for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah the next verse the plot clots but sometime later there it is again still in the wait the pressure is still on 
the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Sometimes that's our state of mind. I deserve this. He said, give me your son. Hanging on to the son. Look at the next verse. Hanging on to the son. Hanging on to the son. When the pressure's on, hang on to the son. You see this? He took him from her arms and he carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his bed and then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow that I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times. Now you, you've got to understand here that had there not been a drought, there would not be a resurrection. Had there not been the brook running dry at Kareth, there would not have been the opportunity at Zarephath. Had there not been the wait, there wouldn't have been the gift of the resurrection. Are you with me? Had there not been a test, God wouldn't have had anything to expose the goodness of who He is in. You see, so, so He stretched Himself out on the boy three times. And he cried out, look what it says, he says, and he cried out, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Oh, hang on, it didn't work. Hang on, mom, he's on, he's coming. Hang on, when the pressure's on, hang on. He said, Lord, bring this boy's life back to him. Nothing happened the second time. Mama, hang on, because his life is going to come back. Hang on when the pressure's on. And the third time, he said, God, bring this boy back to life. And breath entered his lungs, and he came back to life. You see, when the pressure is on hang on because the resurrection is on the way when the pressure is on in your marriage hang on when the pressure is on in your career hang on when the pressure is on in your family hang on hang on hang on you see you see you see you see this reminds me of something though stay standing this reminds me of something it says three times he cried out reminded of another resurrection on the third day you see Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he cried out to God he said father let this cup pass from me but God said son hang on when they placed him on a cross and he was hanging on a cross God said, hang on. When they put him in a tomb, it was Saturday. Everybody not knowing what's going to happen. But yet, there was a resurrection back in the Old Testament. Hang on. And then on the third day, the stone was rolled away. And the gift, the gift of Jesus Christ came marching out. So what I'm saying to you today is hang on when the pressure's on. Hang on when the pressure's on. Hang on. Consider it a sheer gift when pressure assaults you from every side because it will expose the
the true God of, of who Jesus Christ is. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. 